0: Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Lifestyle Architecture Lab. In this show, I talk about lifestyle design, financial freedom, and also dissect the process, behavior, and routines of the personalities who have designed a lifestyle of freedom for themselves. These guests range from artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, lifestyle coaches, investors, professional athletes, etc., These conversations dig deep into their stories to find out their thought process, tools, strategies and tricks that makes them tick. This is happening. Let me
1: just do what I love to.
0: No nine to five.
1: Eat
0: that frog. You gotta Risk comes from not knowing what you are doing. This is Lifestyle Architecture Lab, and I'm your host Himanshu Sachdeva. In this episode, I am talking to Amit Mehta, founder of Univate Sports. He is a trail runner, a vegan and a creative at the core. His company Univate Sports is the first Indian vegan sports nutrition brand. In this episode, we talk about his journey from starting a vegan sports nutrition company in a dairy-obsessed country like India, his trail running club, plants-based diet, active meditation leading a young team and turning it into winners. There are a lot of life stories and nuggets in this wide-ranging conversation. I really enjoyed this conversation with Amit and I hope you'll love it as well. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Amit Mehta.
1: Hey Amit, welcome to the show. Hi Manchu. thanks for having me, really excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, same here. I first saw you at the Autism Run, which is a yearly event done by a friend, Sayuri Dalvi. And after which I came to know about your brand, which is UniVade. It's a vegan brand. And uh, I think it's first in India to be a sports nutrition brand, which is vegan. And since then, I've been uh, following you closely on Instagram. And it is really amazing what you have done with Unibet. And you have created a successful vegan brand. Which inspires so many people, including myself. Let me try to understand. How did the entrepreneur mindset developed in you? Uh, was it from an early age uh, that you liked solving problems
1: and finding ways? Yeah, I guess uh, you can you can say that it's been from uh, you know in me since since a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I look back, then I think the. The first memory that I have where I was stuck in a situation and I had to figure things out was, uh, was actually the first day of first standard. Mm -hmm. I was five and my mom was dropping my brother Sumit and me to school. Mm -hmm. He was in the seventh and I was, it was the first day for me in first. So, you know, we got off the car and he, my brother took me to my classroom, which was on the first floor and dropped me there, and then he went up to his, which was, I think, on the fourth or fifth floor of the building. So, you know, we were we were standing outside my classroom because the teacher hadn't come as yet, and the door was locked. And, uh, you know, there was a bunch of us, all kids, five-year-olds, just standing outside class, mm-hmm. waiting for someone to come open the door. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know each other because that was literally the first day of, of school for all of us. So we were, you know... Um, uh, just strangers <laughs> to, each other. to each other. Yeah. So we waited for a while and, you know, some kids started playing, some were talking, some were sitting, some mm-hmm. started crying. Mm-hmm. And I just got really bored out of my mind. So I decided to go up to my brother's class. I walked up, you know, four or five stories and, and uh, knocked on his door. And by then his uh, class had already started. So the teacher sort of shooed me away. But but I opened the door and I said, hey, Sumit, my uh, my." You know, my classroom is locked. I don't know what to do. The teacher hasn't come. And I'm just getting really bored. <laughs> so, uh, he wasn't allowed to step out. So, you know, he just said, go down and wait. They'll come. They'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, I went back down. And, uh, you know, nothing had happened. The door was still, still locked. No still no teacher. Uh, door was locked. And kids were still crying and playing. And, yeah. So, I decided to go home. I walked down. Um, on your own? On my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was yeah I was I was five on my own and I walked down and the school at that time I was in Campion, which is in uh, in the city, mm-hmm. and the school has a really tall metal gate. Mm-hmm. So the bars on the gate are really high, you know maybe 12 or 15 feet high wow. and uh, the gate is is large and heavy and it's locked into the ground with a, a vertical metal bolt which goes into the ground Mm -hmm. and of course there's a guard sitting uh, sitting by the gate so I was observing this from a distance and I was thinking to myself okay there's no way he's gonna let me get out of that gate what can I do to move him from his position Mm -hmm. so I thought of an idea and I went running to him and I said hey the the dean or the principal's office is on fire (laughs) there's chaos going on inside you need to rush you need to help them and this guy just he fell flat out of his chair (laughs) his hat fell off his head and he you know sort of just gathered himself and and his stick and his whistle and he started whistling and running towards the building Mm -hmm. and yeah he was away from his position and then I had to open the lock which was really heavy and it was bolted into the ground so luckily for me it was my shoulder height Mm -hmm. so I put the uh, the sort of handle of the lock on my shoulder and lifted it with you know, by shrugging my shoulders up yeah, and the gate opened and I walked out. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I did was I, I found a random guy walking on the road and I said, Hey, can you take me home? And of course, you know, he was a bit startled and he said, you need to get back into the building and you need to go back to school. What are you doing outside? So yeah, this guy wasn't going to help me. So I just briskly walked away and mm-hmm. then found an empty cab, stopped the cab and you know, the guys I got in and he's like, where do you want to go? So I said, I want to go home. Uh, and he goes, okay, where is your home? And I was like, I don't know the address, but I know the way. And I knew the way because for the last few years, I was coming with mom to drop my brother to school mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I had memorized the way. So I showed him the way home. And, you know, it's a maybe a 10 or 15 minute drive from school to to uh, where I lived at that time. Mm-hmm. And we got to the building and uh, my grandfather's barber was standing down I guess he had just finished cutting my grandfather's hair so I got off the cab and obviously I had no money so Mm -hmm. I went to him and his name was Dashrat and I said hey Dashrat you need to pay the cab Uh and he goes what I'm not gonna pay the cab so I said look if you don't pay the cab off I'm gonna tell my grandfather to fire you basically (laughs) so he paid the cab and I went up and yeah I went home and my mom was in her room and I went in I was like, hey, the teacher didn't come. So I got bored and I came home and she nearly fainted.
0: <laughs>
1: so she put me back in the, uh, you know, and she got me, took me down, put me in the car. We went to school. She fired the principal and, you know, the staff. And she's like, you know, how can you let a five-year-old leave the school on his own? What if someone kidnapped him? What if he got mm-hmm. lost? What would we have done? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess that's the that's where I announced myself as a troublemaker to the world, and uh, that's us. That's, start, first, started that's, that's where ways. started ways. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a great story.
1: Yeah. Coming back to Unived, why did you start the company? You know, I have been uh, pretty active in sports since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. My father was a was a weightlifter, and you know, in the '60s, he was a, he was Mr. Bombay, so he was pretty uh, uh, involved in in health and fitness and weight training. Wow. So we were brought up with a, a very strict focus on sports. Mm-hmm. Um, he threw us into pretty much every sport that he could when when we were in school. Mm-hmm. I played football for my school college, university. Um, my brother played football. Both of us played tennis. Mm-hmm. My brother started boxing when he was in Xavier's college. Wow! So both of us were pretty involved with sports when we were growing up.
0: So you liked sports or it was like uh, thrown upon you by your father?
1: No, it wasn't forced onto us. Uh, we were just involved with in sports since mm-hmm. we were kids, and then we grew up with, with that, so we loved it. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we're both, right. I mean, I, I absolutely love sports, uh, very competitive and very happy, just going and sweating it out and playing something or the other. So, sports was always a big part of my life. I joined the gym when I was 13, I was the youngest guy in the gym, mm-hmm. started weight training, became really big for a young guy i think Mm -hmm. at 15 i was one of the biggest kids Mm -hmm. uh, just not in terms of fat but you know just bulked up because i yeah i would go to the gym for a couple hours a day Mm -hmm. um you know fitness and health and health and sports have always been part of uh, my life since i was young and then i started getting more and more interested in food and what types of food to eat, and how mm-hmm. food plays an important role in in our health and our nutrition and our performance and our recovery and so on and so forth. So, so food became a very interesting topic for me since co- since school. You mean since uh, no, I would say maybe since college. Okay. Because college is when I really started experimenting. So I'm mm. born vegetarian. I was vegetarian until right. until I was in maybe in the tenth or eleventh. Mm-hmm. Then I started eating a lot of meat. Thinking, I need protein, and you know that's where oh. protein is going to come from.
0: So you have you have eaten meat. I've eaten a lot
1: of meat oh. uh, when I was in college, mm-hmm. but uh, very quickly got exposed to you know the real truth about uh, about food and how you can get more and more than sufficient protein just from vegetables. So mm-hmm. I gave up meat a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Went back to being vegetarian, and then. Uh, obviously transitioned to being vegan mm-hmm. so yeah that's that was my journey with with fitness sports and food and then I came of age and I had to work so you know for for me it was just it was a no-brainer it was just really easy to decide that if this is what my passion is good eat good food healthy food mm-hmm. good nutrition and and sports why don't I put put that together and see if I can make a business out of it, start a company with my beliefs and, mm-hmm. and see if we can do something fun. So that's how it started. And that's amazing.
0: And uh, while you, uh, you were graduating, I mean, after that, uh, you thought of starting a business. You didn't consider working for someone as an employee.
1: I never wanted to work for anyone. I always knew that I wanted to start my own business. I knew that very early on, maybe when I was 16 or 17, I knew that, you know, I'm, I am definitely going to do something on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, After graduating, I did think about working for someone for a couple of years just to, you know, work and get that experience. Right. But then I'm glad I didn't because I was like, you know, what's the point of me working at a company for two years to Just to gain experience, when if I start something now, I will gain a lot more experience in the first two years just doing things on my own. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. Uh, When did
0: Univest start? It was in 2011. 2010.
1: 2010. Yes. August of 2010, I moved back from the US. All right. And literally three days after that, I started. All right.
0: And you started alone, or was it with some founder or with some employees? No, I
1: started by myself. I remember I moved here, I think it was on a Thursday or Friday, I got back, I spent the weekend unpacking and just, mm-hmm. you know, catching up with friends. And Monday morning, I uh, I started work, it was just me, I didn't know anyone here. Mm-hmm. Well, apart from friends who I grew up with, I had no network here, I had never worked a job in Bombay before, right. So I had no professional network. No one in my family or my extended family is involved with um, dietary supplements or sports nutrition products or that kind of a business so we mm-hmm. knew i literally knew no one in the industry mm-hmm. but yeah i started myself
0: so it was from scratch everything everything's
1: been from zero it's been from uh from uh, i wouldn't even say zero it's been from a negative uh you know <laughs> we've had to overcome a lot to a lot of difficulties a lot of situations to uh, you know reach where we are today So
0: did your family like completely supported you in your endeavor
1: they were supportive. I don't know how much they believed in the idea mm-hmm. because I, re- I do remember in the beginning, people were a little skeptical. You know, what's this guy going to do? He's never, he has no experience in this field mm-hmm. and he wants to start a vegan business in a dairy-obsessed country. Country, yeah. Um, so there were a lot of doubts. Mm-hmm. I've always been the black sheep of the family. So <laughs> there have always been doubts ever since I you know I was born pretty mm-hmm. much. But uh, no, I, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's fair to say they were supportive. They let me, they gave me enough freedom to go out and do whatever I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah.
0: So you started with how many people in your
1: company? Well, yeah, I started myself. I was alone for the first. I don't remember. Maybe a few weeks, or a couple something. of weeks. Mm-hmm. I would open office, clean the office. Uh, wow. The first day I opened office, it was a, I, so I, my, my dad gave me his old office, which is like a 500 square foot um, space in Andheri. Mm-hmm. And when I opened it on the first day, it had, it hadn't been used for a long time. So it was just this, it was like a garage. was an abandoned. Yeah. abandoned garage. So I spent a lot of time in cleaning it up. I got some local guys to help with, you know, just whitewashing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once everything, once all the dust settled, you know, I got to work and, um, uh, first thing I did is I went through the yellow pages. The I had a Tata yellow pages book, you know, those thick books. Yeah. That yeah, come. yeah, yeah. I so I went through that. I found some HR recruiting agencies. I called them up and I said, you know, this is what I want to do. These are the kind of people I want to hire. Mm-hmm. Um, So I wrote some job descriptions out and I gave it to them and then they started sending people over and that's how I met the first couple of people who I hired.
0: All right. Moving forward, uh, how do you usually manage your time? Do you deploy any uh, strategies or I mean, are there any specific time periods when you put focused time in designing products?
1: How does it go for you, the time management part? Time management has, I think it's become, you know, a little more complex and tricky as the years have rolled on because Mm -hmm. when I started the, uh, the only nature of work that I had on my table was putting a team together, doing some Mm -hmm. research, developing the products. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to focus on sales, marketing, or, you know, customer issues, logistics, operations, because we didn't have any of that. We didn't have any products to sell. Mm -hmm. So as the years rolled on, I started, I saw the need to wear new hats. The mm-hmm. first time we launched the product, I had to put my sales hat on and become right. a salesman. Uh, when we started shipping, I had to put my operations and logistics hat on. And now it's just that there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. So time management is, is a skill that, um, that is just being sharpened and sharpened with each day. Mm -hmm. i am up by five most days sometimes earlier and uh, i work throughout the day even if i'm out on a run or if i'm in the shower or if i'm eating lunch or Mm -hmm. you know whatever whatever i'm doing work is always going on in my mind Mm -hmm. Uh, there's different types of work that go on at different times of the day right you know in office it's more of operational stuff accounting getting sitting with the team getting things done on a run, it's it's more of okay, you know, what sort of marketing should we do? What sort of athletes should we speak with? Uh, Forward, so,
0: forward-looking strategies or something. Right? Yeah,
1: it's 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 more more going stuff, more mm-hmm. fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, and I think a lot of people who you know are in high-pressure situations or who start companies, they sort of have to develop this skill where you're always working but you're never working, sort mm-hmm. of thing. Right. You know. Because if you're always working and you're always under that pressure, you're just going to explode. The body can't take it. But if you start enjoying the process and if you say, okay, you know, I have... I have to figure out what kind of packaging I'm going to do for the next line of products. Mm-hmm. And instead of sitting in a room with a whiteboard and going over it, you just think about it while you're out on the trails, having a, a good time with friends and and running. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still getting the work done, but you're you're sort of enjoying the process, and that's what I've I've gotten to
0: develop basically. Yeah,
1: that's that's what I've developed, and I think that's one reason why I'm still sane <laughs> with all the work <laughs> with all the that work that's yeah, going on. Yeah
0: yeah that's awesome I mean all the entrepreneurs who are working I mean they must be facing the similar problems and you just have 24 hours in a day and you have so much to do so it's like all always on kind of uh, mindset which you have to be in
1: it's always going on and many times it uh, you know I dream about work there are so many days and I'm sure other people do it as well I mean there's so many days when I wake up and I've had a dream of you know sitting with with the team and talking about something that's critical that happened that week Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: it just goes to show subconsciously work is still in still going on and sometimes the mind doesn't stop so wow yeah
0: what's your creative process uh, while designing products Uh, like how do you invoke the creative process and how you focus in that period
1: I think it really depends on what stage of designing we're in. So -hmm. to give you an example, we've been working on um, a new hydration mix, which we're developing for an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, So when, when we're sitting and talking about the formulation and the architecture of the formulation and how, how the product is really going to work in the system, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a very different approach and a very different mindset. Um, Because you know we're we're working with ingredients, we're talking about ratios of simple and complex carbs, and then what is the absorption, maximum absorption of a simple carb in the gut versus a complex carb in the gut, and Mm -hmm. then how do you uh, arrive at the ideal ratio, and then how much of that mix do you mix in water? How much water do you use, five hundred ml or six hundred ml? And then we look at oh, but then what are the average bottle sizes? Right. Uh, So there's a lot of uh, of that kind of stuff that goes in. But then when that chapter is over and we come to designing, say, the packaging of the product, Mm -hmm. then it's totally different. Then you turn the kaleidoscope and everything looks different and you're in a more creative space. You have a little more liberty and you're looking at colors and you're looking at you know, maybe studying psychology as well how, how are you how is a customer how is a consumer going to feel what sort of emotions are going to be invoked in them if they look at this in a red packaging versus mm-hmm. a blue packaging wow what uh, how how is it going to make their life easier mm-hmm. if we design the pack in this way so to give you an example we were the first i think we're the only company in india right now as well but when we launched this we were the first to come out with a half tear pack Right. and that's something we thought of because when you have sachets and you open them and you rip the entire sachet out you're pouring it into a bottle but the mouth of that bottle is really small mm-hmm. so the powder ends up spilling outside right so what we came up with is we made a half tear sachet so you still tear the entire sachet but only half of it opens okay and when half of it opens the powder comes out like a small spout of water, right? So it lands on a smaller circumference, and right. it matches, you know, the circumference of the bottle, bottle or the mouth of the bottle, and so there's very little spillage. And wow. people used it, and they really appreciated it. So thinking of these things is also really important to us. Like we put the consumers, you know, in, in the center of everything. in the center of the whole uh, designing process. And then when we do things like this, it makes our job a little more difficult because when I came up with that concept, we sat with the packaging guys and the uh, the guys who print our pouches and uh, do our packaging for us. And they've been in the industry for maybe a couple of decades. And they're like, we've never done something like this before. Mm-hmm. How are we going to do it? Because our machinery is not equipped to create a half tear. Mm-hmm. So then we had to sit and figure out the whole process with them. So, you know, we're... We're always doing a little more than someone else normally would.
0: Than the normal standard. Yeah. I mean,
1: other, otherwise you're just saying, okay, I want I want a pouch. This is what it's going to look like. And you talk to the printers and say, this is the dimension and give me a pouch.
0: Yeah. Right. But so, then this idea must have come to you while you were also using the product, right? right while running. Right. So right. like that's the invocation of that process of uh, generating some ideas about that. Right. Great. Great. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: And coming to the routines and habits, how does your typical day look like?
1: So during the week, it's pretty standard. We are up by Mm 5 and we're out for a run um, depending on the duration, either by between 5.30 and 7 or 6 and 7. Mm -hmm. We're home by 7.00 and then uh, between monica and me there's some prep for breakfast both mm-hmm. of us have to shower get everything organized we try and get in the car and leave for work a little before 8 so we All reach right. office by 8:15 or 8:20 or you know 8:30 at the max. max yeah and yeah we're in we're at work till 5 or 5:30 and then we're home by say 6:30 Mm-hmm. Most days we work from home after that for another hour or two, depending right. on what's going on, either Monica's sitting and, you know, designing packaging or, or figuring out uh, the next marketing emailer that's going out mm-hmm. and I'm sitting and working on, you know, US stuff because of the time zone. Right. You, you have, know,
0: have to balance balance out the time zone. Yeah, as well. because
1: we're selling in the US as well. So yeah. that work I, I, I sort of try and do in the evening and yeah we were usually in bed and knocked out by nine at the latest so, so it's night. clockwork wow <laughs> it's clockwork during the week and during the weekends um you know if we're out on the trails and we're up at three because we have to leave three? by four oh thirty. my god we drive out it takes us an hour or an mm-hmm. hour and a half to reach uh, the trails and uh, we're joined by a, with a lot of friends and we go run and come back by lunchtime so
0: Wow, so it's like the typical day starts at 5 and ends at 9 around, right? Yeah. Okay, all right, that's great. So, I mean, you are already uh, waking up early than the rest of the world, like you get 3 4 hours. I mean, normal people like me, they wake up at 7 around. So, you already have. We don't have a choice.
1: We have to be up early because if we want to run and train, then we have to do it in the morning. Right and we've always opened office at 8:30 you know we've mm-hmm. said from day one we want to work 8:30 to 5:30 at the max right uh, just so everyone at work as well as us we can come home and you know have a life outside of office as well
0: right that's a great work life balance also yes. there yeah so when did you start running and why did you start running and how it changed your life
1: I started running in, I think, 2015, early 2015.
0: 2015. Yeah, early, yeah, So, it's only been
1: a few years. Wow. And I started running because of Monica. She, mm-hmm. uh, she was a... I mean, she's been running uh, much earlier than I have. All right. And, uh, yeah, one day she was just like, hey, why don't you join me for a run? Mm-hmm. So, I said, okay.
0: That was in college or
1: somewhere? No, that was in Bombay. That was in Bombay. Yeah, that was in Bombay. Uh, I think... I, I, I don't recall. I think it was maybe December 2014, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, early 15, late 14, early 15 is when we started. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's when I started. Um, just maybe a 1K, 2K in the beginning and then moved right. up the distance a little bit. A couple of weeks after we started, we ran our first, uh, or I ran my first 10K. A
0: couple and of weeks later. A
1: couple of weeks later. That was in Chennai. We were there for an event Mm -hmm. and we said, okay, why not run the 10k? So we did that and Mm -hmm. it felt great. So, and that was in January, I I believe. So in February, the same, you know, again, a couple of weeks later, we went to Auroville and ran a half. Right. Your first half was at Auroville. That was my first half. All right. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that felt amazing. And then after that, we've we've been running (laughs) a little bit. Yeah.
0: Great. And what is the maximum distance you have run till date?
1: Uh, The longest distance I've run is a 50 miler, which is 80 kilometers. 80 kilometers. Yeah. Although uh, although my watch said 86, but Mm -hmm. the course was supposed to be 80. Right. So yeah, that's the longest I've done. Mm -hmm.
0: And do you have any specific race, like which was the best experience of your life till now? I mean, you have run many races till now in trails and otherwise. So any specific experience comes to mind?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, I've I, I've enjoyed pretty much all the races that I've run. And mm-hmm. you know, obviously, I uh, if I look back, then I wouldn't go back to a lot of the road races that uh, that I've run. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> every trail is a different experience, and every distance is a different experience. Mm-hmm. And every race teaches you something. And there's uh, you know a lot to enjoy and uh, a lot to suffer as well during these long trail mm-hmm. trail races. So. Uh, yeah i really enjoyed all of them they're all unique and you know we have a couple of races coming up now we're running in uh, december which is a 50k which is a new race in maharashtra so i'm Mm -hmm. really looking forward to that and then another 60k in uh, south india january
0: january okay all right And while you're running these big races, 50k or 80k, so what goes in your mind? I mean, do you listen to music in that time or do you just don't listen to anything? Uh, You just are in the nature and just listening to the natural sounds and running your way up the mountains. How does it go?
1: Yeah, I I never listen to music. Mm -hmm. I've never run with a pair of headphones. Mm -hmm. Uh, or earphones and i I never carry music when i run i always prefer to just lose myself to the trail Mm -hmm. and the mountains and listen to the birds and nature and you know when you're running over there you can with with each footstep it releases a different sound you're stepping on leaves and gravel and uh, it's just beautiful so i i always prefer to because that's the reason we go there you know we don't yeah. you don't go to the trails and you don't run these races to to listen to music which you can listen to in your house as well mm-hmm. you go there for an experience and the only way to experience it is to to submit yourself to the surroundings to entirely. the nature yeah
0: yeah that's great and now you are running a trail club as well right so how did how did that come together
1: yeah uh, so monica and i were going to uh, Kalabantin Mm -hmm. and running ourselves and then Mm -hmm. one day uh, this guy from Mulund got in touch and he's like hey I've seen that you guys go to these trails why don't you come to Mulund and I'll show you um, you there's a small patch over there called Yogi Hills Yogi Hills Yogi Mm -hmm. Hills it goes from I think Mulund and Thane in between that Mm -hmm. and his name is uh, Rahul Rahul. So, and we'd never met this guy before. So, like, okay, let's go check it out. So, we went and we met Rahul and, you know, we ran Yogi Hills with him and that was a great experience. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, hey, this is, this is okay, but, you know, let me take you to real trails and let's go to wow. Kalawantin next week. So, he's like, okay, let's go. And then a day before we were going, he sent me a text saying, hey, is it okay if a friend of mine joins me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a bit skeptical because, you know, I didn't know a lot of trail runners in Bombay. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure what kind of a guy was going to come because a lot of these road running I and mean, nothing wrong with running on the road. But a lot mm-hmm. of people aren't really um, mentally geared for the trails. Right, right? right. So it's really important to know who's coming. Um, right. But then this guy shows up with the largest calves I've seen on an Indian runner. <laughs> and his name is Ishan. Ishan. Ishan Datta And there right. yeah, was the four of us. And that's the first time, you know, four of us went to Kalavantin, And the next week I was like, Hey guys, if this is going to be regular, let's, let's form a club. So mm-hmm. the four of us were there and we started Univet Trail Runners Club. Wow. And now it's grown a lot. I think. Um,
0: this is also the first in India. I mean, there's no other trail running club, is no, there? No, I wouldn't
1: say that. There's, uh, you know, Chennai has a very large community called CTC, CTC. Chennai Trekkers Club. All right. It started as a trekking club and they organize a lot of treks and a lot of trail races as well. Mm-hmm. And now I think they have evolved as well. And most of them come to these uh, ultra marathons and run trails. Wow. So, they're a large community. I think maybe 200 or 250 of them. All right. All right. But, uh, yeah, certainly in Bombay or Maharashtra, this probably is the only only trail running club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 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 an, it's an nice now. We've, we've got a nice core group of members. Mm-hmm. About, f- I think, 15 or 16 of us. 15 or 16. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, they're pretty regular. We train together. Everyone gets up at 3 in the morning. And, wow. And, you know... <laughs> We meet at a central point and then we drive out for an hour to these trails and we push each other and we run with each other. And there have been some amazing stories of transformation, uh, you know, just within this group. All uh, right. Yeah. To I, to give you examples, there's, there was another guy, Rahul, who joined us last year and this mm-hmm. guy was 96 kilos. 96 kilos. Yeah. And it was really scary to see him run, you know, because in I mean, the trails in, in, with that weight, you never know how the body will react Yeah, but if you look at him now I mean, he's such an inspiration he's lost so much weight and mm-hmm. this year he ran uh, he ran at Malnad with us he ran 80 kilometers and he finished really well wow so it's been an amazing you know uh, journey for him mm-hmm. uh, and, and even the other guys Nilendu, Ashish all these guys they're just they're incredible guys they're really hard working when it comes to you know running mm-hmm. and everyone supports supports each other everyone pushes each other and everyone has evolved as a person and a runner together so it's it's really wow. nice to to have the group and i also want to say that at first monica was the only girl but mm-hmm. you know it's 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 really nice to see now that there are so many girls who come with us yeah yeah and this yeah. is something that needs to be encouraged because i i really believe women are better runners than guys uh, mm-hmm. a lot of them mm-hmm. uh, because they just don't give up they keep pushing themselves and a lot of the girls who've come with us at first they weren't really good they, they weren't sure how to run right. the trails you know on their first day some of them fell down and they got bruised knees and blood wow. everywhere but they haven't stopped they keep coming back and they're getting better and better so it's really it's really encouraging uh-huh. to us as well to have mm-hmm. uh, to have girls come run with us yeah i
0: think monica has a page also right for that uh, trail she has chicas. a page called
1: trail chicas yeah, yeah. which uh, she's just created to support uh, mm-hmm. women and encourage women to run mm-hmm. yeah
0: that's awesome yeah and how does this uh, trail running compares to road running i mean you have been at both ends so i don't think you can really compare it
1: Mm-hmm. You know, running on the road is fine. Uh, we do it during the week just mm-hmm. because there's no other option. Right. But uh, running in the trails is, is it's, I think it's more about how fast can you move in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Because the terrain is changing all the time. There's, right. there's steep elevation, there's steep downhills. Mm-hmm. They, you know, you're, you're busting your quads when you're running downhills. You're running on loose gravel. You're running through grass. You're running through streams of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're just in nature. You're surrounded by just mountains and and lakes and uh, and beauty. So it's like every step is a every step is a new experience, new experience. and yeah. it's pretty much like Alice in Wonderland. Wow, <laughs>
0: yeah. nice comparison. Yeah. All right. Coming back to the veganism, how and when did you become vegan? Uh, was it invoked by some specific incident? or
1: uh, was is there any story behind it um I went vegan for health reasons Mm -hmm. I like I said I started eating meat I thought for health reasons because I thought I that's where I get my protein from so I started eating meat and then the more I I read and Mm -hmm. the more I got exposed to food and how food can really impact your health I realized that, you know, I didn't really need meat. So I gave meat up and Mm -hmm. I I went vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And then I got exposed to a plant-based diet. And I read everything that I could about a plant-based diet. And then the next day I gave up dairy. And I've been a big paneer eater. (laughs) You know, (laughs) in my house, I think three or four days a week, paneer was made for me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, like half a kilo. And I would just sit and wow. eat it, you know, a couple of days a it, week. So it must be very difficult for It you. was actually one of the easiest things. Uh-huh. And I'm really surprised I haven't missed it at all. The day I decided, the next day I was like, Mom, I, you know, I don't want any more paneer in the house. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I really miss is ice cream. But now there's vegan, vegan, ice, vegan cream. ice cream yeah. available as well. So that's become easy. Um, but mm-hmm. apart from that, I really don't, I didn't really miss anything when I, when I gave up. Mm -hmm. um so yeah i went vegan for health reasons and then i have remained vegan again for health and ethical reasons as well Mm -hmm. i think the the whole ethical side to it is really important people are not aware of the meat industry and the dairy industry and how animals are used and abused um, and treated and just you know it's it's really cruel and it's really sad to see that even today with all the knowledge that there in the world Mm -hmm. Uh, there are industries and there are governments and there are corporations who are who just continue to propagate meat and dairy and egg consumption Mm -hmm. and I think that's it's just really sad so yeah yeah I mean yesterday uh,
0: not yesterday I mean the day before I was also talking to my parents because I also want to become vegan so i was discussing with them how like we can include less of the dairy in the diet and they were like why do you want to become vegan what is the basis on that so as you said rightly said there is no awareness they don't even know what how animals are treated uh, while getting the dairy stuff and it's completely lack of awareness about the
1: yeah the thing is you know I think people have this mindset that dairy is such an important and integral part of our culture. Mm-hmm. We've been brought up in lassi and dahi and, and paneer uh, as, and ghee, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But times have changed. It's no longer how it was hundreds of years ago where you had a cow in your home and, you know, you would take care of your cow. And the cow was a, a part of your family right. and you would milk it a little bit. And, you know, whatever little milk came out, you would use that for your for your family. And it was a little sustainable. It's not like that anymore. There are this is now an industry. Uh, And I think if, you know, people of that generation or anyone who consumes meat and dairy, if if you really take them to a dairy farm and if they are exposed to how animals are treated, I mean, cows are raped every day. Right. Uh, There's artificial insemination. That's done Every single day, the calves are born. Male calves are left to starve and die. Mm-hmm. The industry doesn't even spend money in killing the male calves because it's expensive to kill them. So they're just left in a corner of the farm and they starve and they die on their own.
0: That's
1: sad. It's really sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once a female uh, is done with, you know, once she can't produce anymore, she can't give babies anymore, that means she can't give milk anymore. Mm-hmm. So she's shipped off and she's butchered and, and the meat is sold. Wow. So by consuming... People are people. Don't don't link all of this together. They don't think that by eating an ice cream or by you know drinking a lassi or by consuming milk, I am actually part of the process and I'm part of the chain where all which this, encourages this which encourages this and where all of this goes on. Mm-hmm. If you take them. Down the supply chain, mm-hmm. and if you involve them in the process, and if you give them the injection and say, Okay, inject the cow, or if you give them the rod of semen and say, okay, inseminate the cow, mm-hmm. get this cow pregnant, and you you give them the job of doing everything that goes on until the milk is out, mm-hmm. I think I don't think they would survive that. Yeah, they would literally Brutal just process. they'd run away. Yeah, no one no one can look at that. Mm-hmm. So people and and you know. Even influencers are guilty of this. You see actors right. all the time saying, eat two eggs a day and you'll get, you know, you'll be healthy or drink right. uh, drink milk every day. And uh, people do that just because they get paid. They don't realize what they're actually doing. Yeah, Sunday,
0: yeah. Hoya Monday, Rose, day. Exactly. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it should be Sunday, hoya Monday by eating eggs, your... You're part of this this process. Right. Even if in Bombay, that's another thing that happens every morning when we run. Sometimes the the van that carries hens, chicken, uh, chicken yeah it drives past us, and you know the you, there's just this stench in the air. Right. It smells so disgusting, and it's it's the smell of death. Yeah. You know, it's the smell of death. If you make someone sit in that smell and eat a butter chicken or a chicken tikka masala, they would not eat it. Right they wouldn't eat it. Mm-hmm. But they don't, they're not exposed to that. They're exposed to sitting in a restaurant and getting served a tasty dish. Dish. Or yeah. sitting at home and ordering something that, that has meat.
0: They don't know the story behind they the killing. They don't know the
1: story. And even if you think of it, mm. what makes these dishes taste good? It's the masalas that go in. Right. You know, it's the marinate. You marinate the chicken with herbs and spices and turmeric and mm-hmm. coriander powder and garam masala and all of that is from plants
0: plants yeah the without, taste comes from the plants without
1: that without the marinade without the herbs <coughs> without the masalas there's you you can't eat raw meat
0: right you know? right Oof, that's heavy so, how does your diet look like on daily basis? I mean, how do you consume proteins? Do you uh, include supplements every day? Do you have any specific strategy? How do you want to get your proteins and carbs out of plants?
1: Food's pretty simple for us. Mornings, uh, breakfast is a large bowl, either of uh, a lot of fresh fruit, whatever's mm-hmm. in in season, topped mm-hmm. off with some dry fruits on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Or a a bowl of oats and and ragi flakes, again with whatever seasonal fruit is there. Monica makes coconut milk at home, so I use that and, 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 you know, dip it in that and and eat it. Mm -hmm. Um, I drink a couple of smoothies a day. One Mm -hmm. is with... We have a product called Daily Super Greens, yeah, which is a I blend know. of organic fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. So I'll drink that in a fruit-based smoothie at some point of the day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other one is with uh, a lean protein. Right. Again, it depends on the day. If it's a hard workout, then I'll drink the protein after that. Otherwise, I'll drink it in the afternoon mm-hmm. or in the evening. Uh, lunch is usually leftovers of dinner, whatever we had the night before, we save a little bit and mm-hmm. pack it and take it to office for lunch there's a couple of snack boxes that go in the bag as well mm-hmm. a small box just of dry fruits and then either an apple or or a sea or something whatever's mm-hmm. in the house right um, yeah and then dinner again is very simple but some vegetable uh, maybe with some rice brown rice or some roti mm-hmm. or some pasta mm-hmm. or a large salad Right. Uh, some days in the summer, we just don't feel like eating hot food, so we'll make a large smoothie, mm-hmm. uh, smoothie bowl in the night, in at night. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll maybe have one or two smoothie bowls. All right, uh, and that's it. That's that's what uh, it's, it's all completely plant based. That's yeah. what food looks like. Yeah. Wow,
0: that's awesome. And do you follow any specific mindfulness
1: practices? Yes and no. Um, I don't do it to the extent that I would like to mm-hmm. and that's purely because of lack of time mm-hmm. and it may sound as an excuse but that's the truth there right. just isn't time right now. Um, if I had the time I'd love to go to a park and sit there for an hour a day mm-hmm. and just get away from everything. Uh, unfortunately there's no time and unfortunately there's no parks around here Right. and that's one reason why I just dislike this city mm-hmm. but... Um, you don't like Bombay? I don't like Bombay at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I think, it's an overrated city. I, yeah. Which city you like? I'm in love. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's difficult to think of cities, uh, mega cities in in India. It, it's just they're just overpopulating. It's become so difficult. When we were in school, Bombay was great mm-hmm. because there was hardly, I mean, there wasn't the kind of population that there is today. Right. There's enough space. There was clean air to breathe. Mm -hmm. and you know you could go from from one place to another without getting stuck in traffic Mm -hmm. now it's it's just chaos Mm -hmm. you have i i think 10 times before leaving the house (laughs) but (laughs) uh yeah coming back to mindfulness it's now maybe just a way of life you know Mm -hmm. you whenever you can you calm the mind a little bit and um and think of things that that de-stress you mm-hmm. i think of nature i think of music i think of rhythm and you know that's a big de-stressor for me so it de-stresses me and i do that at night sometimes before i go to bed so mm-hmm. once i get into bed i i lay down in shavasana position mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just try and uh, think of pleasant things and right. i'm knocked out wow i wake up in the morning like a baby <laughs> <laughs>
0: So it's like always on kind of meditation, right? Active meditation, basically.
1: It's a lot of active meditation. Mm
0: Uh All right. So uh, now coming towards the company and uh, your organization. Mm -hmm. So, what are the most important decisions uh, you are making on daily basis? I mean, as a leader of your organization.
1: There's a lot of decisions that that are made every day. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to say which is you know it's difficult to sort of draw a line and say this one is more important than the other because frankly they're all important mm-hmm. um, but uh yeah, I mean, just going off of what's happening recently, we're talking about developing some new products. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out, uh, you know, what kind of packaging we want, what is the material of of the packaging, because some of this is hydroscopic. So we have to pay attention to that. What is right. hydroscopic? I mean, um, it's the- when the product is more prone to, to uh, absorb moisture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of humidity in, in Bombay and in India right. in general. So with moisture, it, it tends to cake. Right, you know Kick how out. tang or something in in the yeah, in, yeah. in the rains it becomes hard yeah, hard yeah. powder. You so that use is some it. you can't use. You can use it, but yeah. Yeah. you know it's difficult to explain to a customer why it's caking. Mm. They would not understand. So right. we are trying to trying to avoid that just by improving uh, or using some different type of packaging mm-hmm. that would prevent moisture from going in. Mm-hmm. Um, We're talking about a couple of other product launches that are coming out next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to buy some new machinery. We're actually buying four new machines for production so so do well, you analyze
0: i mean if you have to go and buy a machine so is there any research which is going on by your team and then you yeah. are getting some inputs and then you take the decision or it's like right off the bat
1: yeah no look i'm blessed with a really good team mm-hmm. we have a core team uh, that's been with us since the beginning mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they're really good uh, good people Um, so yeah the team goes we you know they look at the process they take trials we'll actually we will take our product to the manufacturers Mm -hmm. the manufacturing facility the guys who make these machines and we'll do trials on on their demo machines we'll Mm -hmm. see if it works for our process and then we'll amend certain things you know if they have two spouts in the machine, we may ask for one. Mm-hmm. If they have a pressure gauge, we may not ask for that. If mm-hmm. they have a, we may ask for a different size at hopper, uh, things like that. <clears throat> so it's only through trial and error that you figure these things out. Unless it's a very conventional production process, then, you know, there's a standard machine. Like for capsuling, there's just a standard machine. It's a mm-hmm. conventional process. But for some of these other products, like our gels... Um, it's not a very conventional manufacturing process so we have to develop machines that work with the kind of process that we follow
0: it's like custom made it is a bit
1: of a custom made uh, machine
0: correct all right yeah can you name a person who has had a big impact on you as a leader i mean it can be a mentor or a person who you have known who had a big impact on your life
1: That's a tough one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a single individual that I have very closely followed or read about and followed their business practices or strategies. But, you know, everyone in life comes across people who inspire them. And I've, I've obviously come across a lot of, a few people in my life who've taught me a couple of things that have stayed with me Mm -hmm. over the years and, and who've inspired me to, you know, work in a certain way or to produce a certain quality. Um, But, and, you know, they've been, you know, someone who's been my professor in college or someone who's been my, my boss when I was an intern uh, or my (laughs) father to an extent, or, you know, someone like that who've, they've. you you sort of as you travel and you meet people you always you have this knack of you know picking up small things from from people who you wouldn't expect to pick it up from right and then it sort of stays stays in the back of your head and then you're faced with a situation at work where where you're uh, stuck and then suddenly you're like hey but you know I remember this happened. this happened with this person in this conversation and then you try that so so yeah, I think we as people, you know, a lot of people focus on, on buying books that are written by these bestsellers and, mm-hmm. and reading their processes and trying to implement those processes in mm-hmm. in their work, thinking that it'll work for them. I've never done that. I think you I think inspiration is everywhere and mm-hmm. I think you can learn a lot from from everyone. So if you're mindful of, of that and you're just, you know, aware and and curious and observant and you're always observing how people are going on with their lives you will always pick up bits and pieces Mm -hmm. and over the years of picking up so many bits and pieces they form a picture for you and that's that is where you draw your answers from that is where you you look that is what you look at when you're stuck wow what strategies you have
0: deployed as a leader i mean in your organization to keep your employees engaged for long terms and uh, basically make uniwed
1: amazing to work at so a couple of uh, couple of things that i decided very early on was one that i when i started i said i only want to work with uh, freshers mm-hmm. i don't want to hire people who have a lot of experience Mm -hmm. Because for me, experience is, is, uh, is not as important, uh, as important as dedication, Mm -hmm. or, you know, experience only helps you get so far. Ultimately, it's what is the mindset of the person and are they committed enough to cross the hurdles and, you know, and build something together. So our entire team, whoever's joined us, um, they were all young, young guys. Mm-hmm. I was 27 when I started. Wow. <clears throat> the first wow. guy to join me was, I think, 22 at that time. Uh, and then a girl joined. She was 23. Amai was 22. Vaibhavi was maybe 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, really young. Monica was 23, I guess, mm-hmm. when she came. Uh, and, you know, no one had really... No one had years of work experience, right. and no one knew knew anything, frankly. For us, it was like jumping off a cliff without a parachute. And then we're, we're falling really, really fast and we're trying to figure out how to build that parachute before we crash. Wow. So that was one very key decision and it's really worked out well uh, for us and for the company mm-hmm. because the, the youngsters were given a chance to make mistakes Mm-hmm. And only through making the mistakes did they get the experience, and did they learn? And we, you know, we all of us have made a lot of mistakes at Unived. but that's mm-hmm. how we learn, and we yeah. figure things out together. And Touchwood, you know, we're in a good place right now. The core team is still with us, mm-hmm. um, and all the people who are important at the company have been with us. I mean, six years, seven years, five years. No so one left. No one has left. There are there are people who have left. Um, but you know their reasons for leaving
0: um, but not the company or were, were, were
1: very yeah, yeah we haven't we haven't let I mean we haven't asked, we've asked people to leave as well people who were not not performing mm-hmm. and there's always going to be that look it's you're mm-hmm. never going to all every person who you hire or every person who joins you is not always going to be with you for the rest of their lives, lives. so that's that's another learning as well it's part and parcel and it's a process of you know someone may be with you for two years or three years and then leave but I think the people who are there in the core team realize that you can make a career by jumping companies every three or four years yeah or you can make a career by staying with one company and being with it and experiencing the highs and the lows and the struggles and the triumphs and the sad and the happy moments together Mm -hmm. so that itself is also a great experience and a great career. Um, sorry, what was the question again?
0: Yeah, I mean, what, what do you do exactly to keep your employees engaged for long time? Yeah.
1: yeah, so that's, I guess, you know, getting young people and giving them these ginormous challenges yeah. uh, has kept them really engaged because they have so much to learn and so much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a very, we. I mean, I don't micromanage, you know, everyone has their own roles and responsibilities and they know what they what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. and they're given their own space mm-hmm. and time to do it. Mm-hmm. Of course if you know people are stuck we mm-hmm. sit together and we figure things out as a group. Mm-hmm. But uh, people are given the opportunity to to own a responsibility versus right. just you know being at a computer and doing a, a task every day.
0: Not being an employee but more of an owner of like part of the company, right? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's great. And there is no no hierarchy in your company.
1: There's no hierarchy as such. Uh, we don't really look at positions or I mean, we do have an upper management, which is which has naturally evolved. The guys in the upper management are the people who've been there the longest. Mm-hmm. So that's just a natural progression because right. someone who's been there for seven years or eight years uh, has seen everything from the start. Right. Has gone through all the processes, mm-hmm. has seen everything develop. So the new guys who are coming in now have a lot to learn from from them. So they are upper management. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's you know no question about that, um, and they are the leaders and the pillars of the company. So if that is hierarchy, if that's how you explain it, then maybe it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, more than more than uh, you know just a title on a business card. That's not how. Even the juniors look at them. It doesn't translate. It doesn't translate. We we yeah. we all you know we it's a round table. We work together. We have fun together. We mm-hmm. go for treks together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we dance together. So we were at an <laughs> office trip just three weeks ago. Yeah. And the youngest person uh, who came was twenty one, and the oldest who was there is fifty. Wow. And everyone was dancing and playing games. Who is
0: 15 your team, I mean?
1: Yeah, his name is Hitesh. He looks after, uh, he's like in a CFO position. All right. He isn't full-time with us. He's been with the family for the last 35 years. Uh, he wow. used to work with my dad mm-hmm. in, you know, in his companies. Mm-hmm. So he's working at another company right now and he uh, supports us. Uh, he comes once a week to look over certain things. All right. But uh, he will be joining us full-time from December okay so he's great. uh yeah he's seen me since i was a kid he's mm-hmm. known me since i was maybe five years old wow so it's really good to have having you. said uh, one
0: elder it may help right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's great and uh, living in a digital world today what is one mistake you see influencers making more frequently these days
1: Uh, If you talk about influencers and mistakes, I think a lot of influencers end up selling themselves Mm -hmm. to products and services that they may never have used and they really don't believe in Mm -hmm. just because they're getting paid. And what that does is it creates a false image to their followers and to people who really believe in them and people who trust them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's wrong. Yeah. They're getting paid and it may be their business to, you know, to do that. But but it's like it,
0: misleading the it's crowd. It's
1: misleading people because they themselves don't believe, have never tried the product. Mm-hmm. So we've gotten emails from a lot of these social media influencers. Uh, recently we got, we got an email from a, uh, Uh, these guys who manage the account for a very famous fitness influencer who's, who's a male Mm -hmm. and he's got, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of followers. Mm -hmm. Um, And they wrote in saying, Hey, blah, blah. We really like your product and your company. And this guy who, who's their client really believes in the brand. um, And he would be very happy to help you guys because he's read about your story and he wants to support indian companies and indian entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and he'd love to help support your company and your team and so on and so forth so i was like okay this is nice so i wrote back and i was like great has he used any of our products which Mm -hmm. products has he used which products does he like and they write back saying no he's never used your products he's (laughs) never tried your products but he's willing to post whatever you want and these are his charges Oh my god. And for each post, you know, so many lakhs, and for a package of posts per month, it's so much money. And I wrote back saying, Thanks for the opportunity, but we don't like to buy our reviews. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to do that. We're an ethical company. We don't want to pay people who've never used our products mm-hmm. just because they have a large following. That's not the way companies should go about their work sure if there's someone who's used the products and who has a large following who's a genuine user and believer of the product that's a very different different story right but uh, a lot of these unknown unknowns who you know they're just big on social media and they think that they can reach out to brands and brands do that as well they pay them a lot of money and you see one week this lady is posting about you know a Dettol soap and the next week she's posting about a handbag and then the week after that she's posting about <laughs> something else and she's a fitness and a health and a lifestyle influencer and if you look at her she's not even that fit wow you know it's just that she may look pretty so she's got hundreds of thousands of followers mm-hmm. so like, i think that's one mistake that people make and uh with a lot
0: of, I mean, that kind of power comes a lot of responsibility and they are not using...
1: With that position, when you're an influencer, you're also responsible for the people you're influencing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you, you shouldn't be posting about anything and everything and accepting or reaching out to brands, actively reaching out to brands saying, hey, this is the kind of influence I have, this is the kind of money I want, and this is the kind of reach I can give you. mm mm-hmm you know maybe corporates take it but just as a person and as an individual think about
0: ethically it looks wrong
1: think about yourself what if you were being influenced by someone like that what -hmm. if you were not a big influencer you're just some you know random person and you were following someone who was a big influencer and they started posting about some products and you spent your money and bought those products and they didn't work for you Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's just not right so I think that's, that's something that's going on a lot. Right. There's also companies who are buying reviews on Amazon. You know, they'll go out and they'll, they, there's these other companies who, who charge them money and they post reviews about mm-hmm. their products.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so there's a lot of this that goes on and you know, it works for them. It gives them business. But at the end of the day, I don't know how those business owners sleep well yeah. because you know, you, you can't go, I, I can't go to bed thinking I've cheated someone. Mm hmm. It depends
0: on your life values as well. I guess. Yeah. Okay, so moving forward, what advice would you give someone who is going into the leadership position for the first time?
1: I think the first and most important thing for anyone who's in a leadership position is to believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have self-belief the world may not believe in you your friends family may not believe in you but if you are entering that kind of a position you have to believe in yourself you have to believe that the objectives that you've laid out for the next year two years three years whatever it is are going to be achievable and that belief has to transmit into your team your if you don't believe in the work you're doing if you don't believe in the direction you're going in and the path that you're drawing out for yourself then your team is not going to believe in it. And if they don't believe in it, there's no way you're going to achieve it because you can't do anything on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who says that they've achieved something on their own uh, is lying. You cannot do anything without a team. A team is critical to the work that you do. And without belief and self-belief, I think that's where, it, where everything begins. hmm um, you may you may find yourself in situations where you're stuck where you don't have answers and I think that's okay because you don't always have to have the answers with you all the time right but you have to believe that you will figure it out. You just have to think that okay, it may be a tough time right now, but as time goes on, we will find an answer. we will find a solution. We will figure it out together and that's the kind of guidance you have to give the team and that's the kind of mindset you have to create within the team because it's it's not easy to to be in that position you know when we when I started for the first few years there was just three or four of us mm-hmm. now we're 35 people in the company so that's 35 careers that I'm that I am responsible for and everyone wants to grow personally everyone looks right. forward to a raise every year and you know people have their own families to look after guys are now getting married in our team and, Mm -hmm. you know, people are having children. So so the responsibility grows year after year. And yeah, there's been many times when I've sat by myself in my room thinking, what am I going to do? You know, there's so many people and we have so much to do and I need to grow the company and we have to do this and that and enter new markets and... But things happen. I think when there is belief and when you just stick to it day in day out the world conspires people come together good things happen good you you come across good people and mm-hmm. things go on so never lose hope and never never doubt yourself never uh, not believe in in your mission and mm-hmm. and in your team and that's another thing you have to believe in your team as well you know mm-hmm. it's it's as yeah one thing is believing in yourself and the, and the path that you've drawn out for yourself. But the next thing and which is equally important is believing in the team. They're going to make mistakes, especially for us. I mean, they were all young and right. they never worked before. So they made a lot more mistakes than, um, than they would now. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You have to believe that they will overcome their errors. They will overcome their mistakes and they will learn and they will grow. And when you have that belief and when they see that you have that belief in them, it changes them completely. Yeah. And it empowers them to believe in themselves. It empowers them to not doubt their own skills mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they, like there's been so many times when they've been faced with mountains to climb and they've been really scared to to start that journey. But just with a little belief and one step after the other, you know, they've done it. So always believe in the team and and in yourself. Wow, that's great advice. So what are
0: you doing to ensure your personal growth as a leader? I mean, do you uh, do some courses or do you uh, organize something for your team as well? Like so that they can also grow like some trainings, etc.
1: I'm, uh, yeah, I'm doing a course right now. I'm doing a, a, a nutrition course from um, one of the leading centers in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that purely to obviously gain a little more experience in the role food and nutrition can play mm-hmm. because I'm involved in that yeah, in that business of, of, of uh, sports nutrition. Right. Uh, for the team as well, we have a lot of group sessions. Like I said, we were out uh, for a trip couple of weeks ago where Mm. um, you know everyone from office was taken out to a resort and we spent the weekend there and we had team building activities and we watched some films and we you know had a lot of Q&A a lot of the young people stepped up and and spoke about you know how they approach work and a lot of the Uh, people who've been there for a while shared their stories of how when they joined how things were there then and how things are now Mm -hmm. so you know sitting together as a community and as a team and sharing experiences and opening up itself is a is a great way of learning and and you know approaching Mm -hmm. work in with a with a different mindset every day
0: As your company's core is veganism and healthy living and nutrition. So how do you encourage that within your organization?
1: We're always talking to people within the office. There's there's a few people we have who are not uh, very healthy. They're overweight and they have um, some knee problems and back problems and things like that. So we're always talking to them. We, you know, obviously... Uh, we don't allow any dairy into the office. So people who drink tea and coffee, they have to drink it black. Mm-hmm. There are some people who love sugar mm-hmm. in their in their black coffee. So what I've done is uh, the little box in our pantry where we store the sugar. Mm-hmm. I put a label on it and labeled it poison. Wow. So every time, every time the girls go and, and open that box and put a spoon of sugar into their cup, they read. You know, poison. So I'm. I'm. Hopefully, that will have some impact on them. It's very difficult to change behavior Mm -hmm. and change uh, habits. Mm -hmm. Uh, People have to change themselves, and the only way they will change themselves is if they really, you know, see the need to change. So Mm -hmm. some of them have gone through health issues, and they've therefore, you know, experienced the need to change, and they have changed, and they're a lot healthier now. Mm -hmm. and some of them are still the same and uh, hopefully one day they'll you know they'll make the change for the better that's i think it
0: depends on the individual himself or depends on
1: the on the individual yeah
0: Yeah. all right and how do you help a new employee who is joining you uh, like to understand the culture and the vision which you have for your organization
1: the culture in the company is very open and evident you know anyone who's new who joins us uh just they're the sitting around with people and seeing how people work in the office and how they eat together and talk about work and and joke around and it's it's a very relaxed atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, there's no you know official um clothing i mean i go to office in shorts and you know yeah. people know that they can wear whatever they want mm-hmm. uh and come to work Uh, you don't have to dress in pants and shoes and a tie that has zero impact on the work on on the quality of work that you're going to produce. Mm -hmm. So it's a very relaxed atmosphere, but at the same time there's a lot of pressure because there's a lot of work that's going on. Mm -hmm. So newcomers see both extremes, you know, on one extreme they see that it's very relaxed and it's very chilled out. And then on the other extreme, they see that there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of responsibility And there's a lot of things that need to be done. So, you know, they can't slack. And if they slack, they're going to be spoken to.
0: Mm -hmm. So, um,
1: yeah, it's, it's a delicate balance of two extremes. And I think just learning to balance these two extremes of being free, but still being responsible will teach them a lot and make them really strong people.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like a horse in a field he has a tie around his neck and he's left. But he knows like when the rope ends, he has to come back. Can you explain the impact of social networking on your company and personally yourself?
1: Social media is huge. It's the way the world is going these days. Um, Everyone is on Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. uh, and YouTube. So uh, definitely those are tools that you know every company needs to understand and use efficiently if they want to gain the, the you know maximum benefit out of out of using those tools mm-hmm. and it's changed things for us as well you know we've we've been able to reach people globally because of social media mm-hmm. uh, people see the kind of work we're doing and we interact with a lot of people who are, who otherwise we would not have been able to get in touch with right so it's it's definitely really important to us um mm-hmm.
0: Like Hayden, Hayden is like, he, you found him through? Yeah, I found Hayden. So
1: Hayden Hawks is, is an elite, uh, ultra marathon runner. He's currently ranked uh, third in the world mm-hmm. for ultra marathon running. And yeah, I found him. <laughs> I found him on Instagram. It's crazy. Wow. I saw a video on YouTube of him running. It's one of the famous videos where, uh, Zach Miller and Hayden Hawks are running a race. It's mm-hmm. actually called Miller versus Hawks. And, All right. uh, I knew about Zach Miller, but I had no idea who Hayden Hawks was. So I watched the video and I was like, who's this guy Hayden running after him, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I looked him up and I found him on, on Instagram and I left him a message and he got back to me and then we started talking and uh, it's just crazy how the relationship has evolved because obviously we didn't know each other. He signed on uh, with the company as an athlete last year Mm -hmm um and he he's a pretty big guy so he had the opportunity to sign with a lot of nutrition brands but you know he picked us and then i was in the u.s last year i got to meet his family i stayed with his parents and i stayed at their home wow Uh, this year he came to india to run malnad ultra and he stayed with us and Mm -hmm. you know we've gotten a a really nice relationship and a bond going Mm -hmm. and we're really excited to to see what the future has because uh uh, as a company, we're, we're developing a product for him, and we're going to launch a signature series of products. The first product is going to be a, a hydration mix, which is going to be uh, you know a product that we've made for him. Mm-hmm. Made so, for him specifically? Uh, well, it's it's a not it's not made for him. It's a product that is going to be available for everyone to, yeah, yeah. to buy and use. But it's part of our signature series right. where we're we're developing co-developing products with athletes. So inputs from them yeah, and Inputs their from him and yeah, it's, you know, the box, the packaging will have a signature on it and wow. it will be a, a Hawks product. Wow. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that and, you know, we've spoken about a lot of things and uh, yeah, I, I think we'll be working uh, for the life of this company together.
0: Awesome. He's a vegan also, right? No?
1: He's vegetarian. He's toyed a lot with being vegan um and uh yeah before he left bombay a couple of weeks ago he's like i think this is it this is the last time uh, i'm consuming dairy so maybe he's he's gone vegan now
0: going back to yeah, veganism yeah <laughs> all right and how do you market your products i mean yeah is the whole strategy now shifted to online and social media platforms or are you still making it to the stores offline stores
1: no, we we're not we're not in a lot of stores. Um, when we started out, we started out with stores. I had a sales team. I had nine or ten guys on the field, and we mm-hmm. were you know we because we have a supplement side to the business as well. It's yeah. not just sports nutrition. We do a lot of supplements like calciums, vitamins, minerals, uh, omega threes products for cholesterol, products for joint pain, arthritis, mm-hmm. coenzyme Q ten, um, libido products. So for that range, you know, we used to go out and and market to nutritionists and doctors and we were in we had distributors we were in pharmacies Mm -hmm. and that was that was driving the business we focused a lot on that the online side was really small at that time for us right but you know as things evolved uh, I just realized that it was not sustainable for me I didn't want to spend my time managing nine or ten salesmen right uh talking to them every day about how many people they visited and what the feedback is and what did this guy say and what did that person say and when do we need to go here and I would go with them to work we'd be standing outside a doctor's dispensary for four hours and then he would call us in for a minute and I'd Ah. get to talk to the guy for a minute and then he'd say okay next oh my god so it was a complete waste of my time I felt that my time was could be so much better used mm-hmm. in in different areas which would really help the company so yeah one day i just decided to let go of all of them and we we shifted the focus entirely to from uh, from stores to being an online e-commerce company mm-hmm. and now we're primarily online that's uh, you know majority of of our business and it's done well for us it was a good decision we've grown a lot um, you know we're we're a much larger company today with zero salesmen than we were a few years ago with 10 salesmen Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so again it I and I think that proves that just because you have a large team doesn't mean you're going to be successful more than a large team what you need to have is a good strategy Mm -hmm. and you need to make the right decisions at the right time and believe in those decisions because when we let go of them everyone questioning like what are you doing are you nuts you have 10 guys on the field selling for you Mm -hmm. and you want to go from that to being to to having zero? Who's going to sell? How mm-hmm. are you going to survive? The only way you can survive survive is if you sell, because that's how the money comes in. Mm-hmm. If we don't sell, we don't have money. If we don't have money, we can't run the company. But uh, it was very clear. I mean, uh, there was no doubt in my mind whatsoever. I was like, no, this is the way. Online is the way. This is the strategy. It's going to take us three to six months to sure. really achieve it. Mm-hmm. But I don't see any reason to continue in the way we're continuing. It's just a waste of time for me. I have better things to do with my time. So, yeah, we shifted it. And touch wood, it's worked out beautifully. Right. Yeah. And talking about you wearing many hats
0: in the initial days, like we were discussing the other day, you also used to visit the stores. Right? Yeah, I was
1: I was the first salesman for for the for the company, and I think I'm I'm still my my company's main salesman. I, I used to, when we <laughs> launched the products in uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. We started with five stores in in Bandra, and I chose Bandra because that's where I live. So we put it in five stores. Uh, Serenity was a store back then. It's shut now, and then mm-hmm. Solanki Chemist, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were in Bandra Nature's Basket and then two other stores I don't recall their names but the reason I picked Bandra was because I would go to work and I'd only be home by six in the evening mm-hmm. and the only way I could go to the store to check the stock and to interact with their staff to understand you know how the product is doing is if the store was close to my house because mm-hmm. I had no time to travel in the evening. Right. So that's what I did. And I would call these guys from work saying, you know, how's how's the product doing? Is it, is it working okay? Are customers buying? Are you, are you, are you getting repeat purchases? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's doing fine, this and that. And I say, okay, I'm going to send my my salesman in the evening. You better make sure you, you know, show him the stock and everything. I'd come home. I'd put on my old shoes and my old pants and I'd go to the store and say, oh yeah, boss has sent me, show me the stock. Mm -hmm. And they obviously had no clue because they had never met the boss. I had only (laughs) interacted with them over the phone. Wow. But that was a great experience because that's what taught me what it's like working on the streets. Mm -hmm. That's what. You know, allowed me to get my hands and feet dirty and interact with them at their level. And I learned a lot. And after that is when I hired the salesman. Right. So once they were on board, I knew some tricks of the trade and I knew how it is to work on the streets. So it was a little bit easier for me to manage them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how we started. I mean, the things we've done, we were working every Sunday. We were at farmer's market for three years, every Sunday. We'd work wow. six days a week in office. At that time, we we had no Saturdays off. Mm-hmm. We, we were working all four Saturdays. So we'd work six days a week in office and then Sunday morning, go to the farmer's market 9am till whatever, 2, 3pm. Mm-hmm. Put up a stall, sell, talk to customers, unpack, pack, repack, put everything in the car, drive back. By the time you're home, it's five in the evening. You're dead day's, tired. Day's gone. You're gone. The day's over. The weekend's over. You eat dinner. You go to sleep. You're back to office the next day. We did this for three years. Wow. And then one day Monica was like, don't you think we should get some Sundays off? And I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. So we stopped going to farmer's markets. And mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Must be exhausting.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been an exhausting journey, yeah. but it's been a lot of fun. and It has uh, also
0: been an adventure of a lifetime. It's been
1: an absolute adventure of a lifetime. It, it still is. I mean, every day there's something new. Uh, to learn and to experience Mm -hmm. and of course you know we wish we had some more free time to ourselves where we could just you know get away from work and just go and enjoy things Um, but we also realize that now is not the time we're at that age where we have to build the company and you know you go through phases in life when you're a teenager you're not working you're just having a blast Mm -hmm. and then you enter a different phase where you need to work and you know uh, for us I mean for an entrepreneur, you have to create a base and create something for yourself for the future. So that's what we're busy doing, right. but thankfully, we love it and we're involved in it uh, mm-hmm. whole and soul, so it's not a torture for us we We enjoy doing doing it. yeah
0: that's awesome. Yeah.
1: And coming to some fun questions,
0: what advice would you give to your your just graduated younger self?
1: follow your dreams, go out there and uh, do what you want to do. If you, if you have a passion or if you have a dream and you, you know, you you have doubts about it or someone in your family or your friends are telling you that it's not going to work out, but deep down inside in your gut, you know that that's what you want to do. And that's, what's going to make you happy. Then just do it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry too much about whether it's going to be successful or not, or if you're going to make money or not, or, you know, all of that is secondary. I think what's most important is listen to your gut and follow your follow what your gut is saying. And that is something that a lot of people don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that you know, ability to to listen to that natural instinct and that voice that's coming out of the stomach yeah. saying, "Hey, do this. This is what's going to make you happy. This is what's going to work." Mm-hmm. You already know it. Right. You just have to allow yourself to listen to it and to follow that voice
0: and it's the same thing which you fear also like
1: it's your it's your large it's your biggest fear and it's it's your biggest calling at the same time right. so if you face your fear and 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 you know you really put in a lot of effort you can conquer it and you can make your dreams a, rea- a reality wow
0: that's great okay and what under 5000 rupees purchase you have recently made uh, which probably changed your life for good
1: <laughs> this morning this morning we were at the organic market and we bought a lot of fresh fruit and 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 vegetables and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff so yeah i think we spent maybe 900 rupees but we wow. we got a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables and that'll last us for the next three or four days mm-hmm. um and yeah that is definitely something that is. Changed our lives for the better. Just eating, eating healthy, and eating fruits and, eat, and plants. Eating, eating good, good stuff. Yeah, it doesn't cost a lot to be healthy. This is another misconception that people have. Like, oh, you're vegan. It must be so expensive. It must be so difficult. Mm-hmm. It's actually cheaper because you don't have to spend money buying meat and milk. Yeah, um, and you you end up buying things that are really good for you. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy and um, uh, and a lot. You know, it's it's affordable to to be healthy. It's so not mm-hmm. difficult.
0: But when you, initially, when you switched from milk, was there any changes to your body
1: which you felt? I never really consume milk by itself in any case. Mm-hmm. The only, um, you know, the, I would only consume dairy th- either through paneer or through ice cream or through uh, pizza, cheese and right. pizza. That's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I when I gave up the first thing I noticed is was my recovery. I was just recovering so much faster from my my workouts than I was previously. I wasn't lethargic. I had a lot more energy in the day than I than I would previously have. I became lighter, leaner, faster. I was thinking faster. Mm-hmm. I was thinking with with a lot more clarity. I was sleeping better. These are all things um that I have experienced after I went vegan.
0: All right. And do you do any fasting also? I mean, I don't in- do intermittent any... fasting. Or yeah, like
1: no, I, I mean, intermittent fasting is great. I really believe in it. I don't do any planned fasting, but just by default, I end up fasting because I will eat dinner by seven at night mm-hmm. um, on most days. And then the next meal I eat is breakfast, maybe at eight quarter to eight in the morning. So between those hours, I, I do not consume any food. Mm-hmm. All my runs in the morning are, are empty stomach. Um, empty stomach. Yeah, because I mean, I wake up, I don't really feel the need to eat. I mm-hmm. just go out and I exercise. So uh, by default, yes, I end up fasting for those mm-hmm. for, for about, I guess, 12 hours. Yeah.
0: Mm. Okay. And any book which you have gifted often?
1: Do you, I mean, do you gift books? I don't gift books. I really don't uh, I don't <laughs> gift books to people. I've read a lot of books, and I've mm-hmm. picked up a lot of things from a lot of books. Yeah. Any
0: any specific book you would like to recommend to the audience?
1: Mm, there's a lot of books that that have been important books to me in my mm-hmm. life. One is autobiography of a yogi by Paramananda. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I read that book for the first time when I was in the seventh. And then I've read it, I think, three or four times after that. And each time I read it, I learn something new. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful book. Um, Art of Wars, another book. That's really good. I'm uh, about to start this book called Consciousness. Consciousness. Yeah, my uncle was reading it and I was at his house yesterday. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm I'm, I'm about to start that. Um, Yeah.
0: All right. And... What does failure mean to you and is there any favorite failures which have occurred to you, which you
1: you always will remember? Failure is everything to me. I've failed in most things that I've done in my life. Uh, I've been a terrible student. I failed in my seventh. I had to repeat it. I failed, I think, my 11th in college as well. And then I I paid my way through that. Um but then things changed. I graduated with honors in uh, at uh, in u- at university in Australia, mm-hmm. and then I was in the top percentile at my MBA in the US. Right. Um, but then, with you know, with Unived as well, I've made a lot of mistakes uh, in the beginning, and you know, we failed with a lot of projects, maybe product projects that we had or strategies. But I think that's the the best teacher anyone can ask for is failure because it it really teaches you a lot it teaches you more than you can learn in a classroom or you can learn Mm -hmm. from a book because it's real life experience you you do something you think it's right things go wrong sometimes they go wrong because you were not good in execution sometimes they go things go wrong because of external variables that you don't have control of Mm -hmm. then you start you know, realizing that you need to put barriers in place or protection in place, even for external variables, which may reduce the impact that they can have on on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, just different things like that. So, yeah, I think failure is something that we need to embrace. We cannot. You know, there's this whole stigma associated with making mistakes and and, right. and failure, and especially
0: in our, our culture. Sp- I think. Especially
1: in our culture, and especially with parents and children. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowed to fail. You're not allowed to make mistakes. If you do, you're wrong. Something's wrong with you. You're never going to be successful in life. Uh, you know, um, you didn't work hard enough, or you did not study hard enough. You oh, you only got a ninety-five percent. That's not good enough. Look at the neighbor. She got ninety-seven percent. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we need to stop comparing uh, people with other people or our children with other children mm-hmm. because everyone's different, everyone's unique. Yeah. There is nothing set in stone that someone who graduates with a 95% is going to be more successful than someone who never went to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to let people make mistakes. We need to let people fail because that will teach them a lot more than, than any other experience would. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah that's I think that's and I think that's something that most entrepreneurs need to embrace as well be prepared to fail yeah look forward to failing because that's the way you're going to learn and that's the way you're going to be successful yeah
0: if you don't like failing that's not the uh, path to take yeah if you you don't like
1: losing you're going to be the biggest loser in life right you have to be prepared to lose and you have to be prepared to fail because that is going to be a golden experience Mm -hmm. and through those experiences you will chart out your strategy to success.
0: Wow. That's some awesome advice for entrepreneurs. Okay. And at the core, you are a creative soul. So how do you handle criticism?
1: I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I don't mind it. Uh, A lot of people have said a lot of things to me about me about the work. Um, You know, it's all good. People have opinions and uh, you have to listen to everyone. Um, I, I, I obviously take it very personally when customers criticize the products or criticize our delivery or our, um, you know, service, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, personally respond to all of that, uh, any negative feedback that's received within the company first comes to me. That's mm-hmm. the way, that's the way I've set it up. And I I look at that, I analyze it. Most times I'll call the customer and say, Hey, you know, you 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 wrote you wrote into our customer care saying this was your your experience. I'm really sorry, but can you tell me a little bit more about it? Because mm-hmm. I wanna know what exactly happened. Right. And only if I if I hear that first hand can I understand and then speak with the team and, you know, make changes if changes are necessary or see how we can improve our processes so and we've been fortunate because a lot of people have sort of looked at Unived as um, a homegrown brand which it is yeah and so they've felt very connected and they've taken the liberty to be very frank with us and call right. us and say hey guys great product but this didn't work or hey guys the packaging wasn't good enough or whatever yeah Um so I'm really thankful to those guys because it's only through that feedback that we've been able to learn and, and improve and uh, uh, set things right
0: yeah i think feedback is the way to go with any product absolutely you are, you are always improving and improvising right mm-hmm. alright and unived is now established as a vegan sports nutrition
1: brand so what is next for you and unived the next uh, so 2019 is a big year for us we're focusing on the us we want to make a, a credible a respectable push Mm-hmm. for the brand in the u.s mm-hmm. um and of course india is is obviously our home and and that's another uh, uh you know uh, great area of focus for us so between india and the u.s is where we want to establish the company uh, at least in the near term mm-hmm. um those are our, our near-term goals right. we have a few new products and a few new projects that we're working on and uh yeah i think if if the things that we've we've charted out for the next few years. If even half of that falls into place, then I think uh, we'll be in a good space. That's awesome. Any parting words to my audience? I hope you guys had a good time listening to this. <laughs> I, I hope you didn't, I didn't bore you, but uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it, it's been, it's been nice to have this opportunity. I think this is the f- you know first time I've actually, opened up a little bit and spoken Mm -hmm. about the company ever since I started it I don't think I've ever been uh, you know interviewed as such Mm -hmm. so it's been nice to to uh, you know turn back time and think about all those moments and speak about some of them
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, always happy to to speak with people who may be listening if they want to just catch up or if they have ideas that they want to bounce off of us Mm -hmm. or you know, if if you're stuck, if you have your own business and, and, and you're stuck and you need someone to talk to, that's really important to have a bouncing board. So mm-hmm. feel free to reach out. Uh, you, yeah. know, you can find me on, I guess, Instagram at RRUNN, double R-U-N-N. So yeah, just feel free to message me. And if I can help you guys in any way, I'm always happy and available to do that.
0: Awesome. It was great talking to you, Amit. And I think you have already mentioned the place to go to instagram and is there any any other website or place you would like people to go to if they want to look at the products or your story probably
1: yeah if you want to see the products our website is unived.in so it's u-n-i-v-e-d dot i-n mm-hmm. our instagram is at Unived sports all right. And uh, these are the two places where you can see our work, and you know, obviously, you can write to us um, at our uh, on our contact us page if you need any assistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right. So I'll share all this good stuff and all the uh, things from the episode and these links as well in the show notes of this podcast episode. Uh, thanks for uh, making the time, Amit. I really appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Thank you. I think it's really nice that you know you you're reaching out to. To people and allowing them or giving them an avenue to to share their stories so uh, it's awesome that you have this podcast and I wish you all the best thank you
0: hey guys this is Himanshu again now before you move on here's something I want to share with you I have one weekly newsletter which is called Saturday Pentacle you can think of it as a weekly one page magazine for the curious minds where you'll find five awesome things which I've been pondering on in the last week. It may contain popular articles, blogs, photographs, Instagram posts, books, videos, products or thoughts. It's completely free. If you want to get it, just go to himanshusasdeva.com That's my name himanshusasdeva.com and drop in your email. You'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoy it.